It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.06. On a Saturday morning, this is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgie Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. If you don't want to do anything, that's fine. You can listen, or you can think of what you might want to do in the spring. You can think about what you plan to do in the winter and didn't get around to. Can you still do it now? Can you plant bulbs? See, if you remember that bag of daffodils, tulips that you bought back in October and thought I'd get them planted? Yep, 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 going to get them planted. Never got around to it. You want to want to ask about that? That's fine. Any question you have about flowers, trees, lawns, gardens, shrubs, bugs, critters, pests, squirrels, raccoons, wild hogs, if you got a question about them, my number is easy to remember, 404-872-0750. We'll be here at 9 o'clock this morning, so if you don't get it in now, get it in later. But, of course, earlier in the morning is always easier to deal with. The lines tend to get filled up around 8 o'clock this morning. And particularly if you're listening to us from far away. We've gotten calls from Canada this winter. We've got calls from, let's see, Phoenix, Arizona one time. We got a call from uh, Virginia. So if you are way, way, way far away listening in, again, the number 404-872-0750. I got in trouble this week. I wasn't in trouble. I wasn't in trouble. But I posted something that generated a great deal of blowback, shall we say. And what I posted on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, maybe it was Wednesday, that I posted something on Facebook about a guy who had asked me a question. He said, can I spray Roundup on my Bermuda lawn right now to kill the weeds? In other words, is the Bermuda dormant enough that I can spray the Roundup and kill the weeds that are there without, without hurting the Bermuda? And I answered him, no, it's not dormant. Bermuda is not, Bermuda in Georgia is rarely dormant. I mean, it rarely does it go completely dormant all the way down to the soil. And if you have a little bit of brown on top, it looks dormant, but underneath it's green leaves. And if you spray Roundup on those dormant looking Bermuda lawns, oh, you get the nicest pattern in May when everything greens up. You see this pattern of there's a spot here that's dead, a spot over there that's dead, a little trail maybe where you sprayed the roundup during January on what you thought was dormant Bermuda grass. And um, you can see pretty easily who just didn't, didn't quite get the message about Bermuda and whether or not it's dormant in January. Now, that was my advice to him. But when I posted it on Facebook, I got a number of people who took great exception to my recommendation of using Roundup. They said, don't you know? Don't you know that Roundup causes cancer? Roundup kills frogs. Roundup does all sorts of bad things to the environment. Roundup does this, 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 and this. Causes cancer in, in rats and tumors in humans and a lot, of, a lot of blowback, as I said. And so I replied to them with something I hope you'll Take in mind, as you listen to the show, any Saturday morning, but the stuff I talk about, the answers that I give on the show are based on science. They're based on research. They're based on things that really do work. They're not based on sort of what Grandma did. They're not based on what your neighbor said worked for him two years ago. They're not based on some 
article you saw on the Internet. They're based on real work by real scientists, real people finding out what really does work and how it works, how, how, how it works completely. And if you go and look at the science of Roundup, there simply is not a big environmental problem. Not. And so I knew that I can't just say that. I mean, you would be foolish to just trust my word for it. I need to give citations. I give, need to give reasons. I need to give um, the, the, the reasoning and science behind what I say. And so I made a page of my website called Roundup Health Concerns. If you want to read it, you're welcome to go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and type in the search line Roundup Health Concerns, and you'll see a link there that says I'm not a doctor, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a, you know, a scientist by any means, but I believe that you can rely on research that's replicated, peer-reviewed, and some of the highest quality research you're going to find in the scientific world, and you can rely on it. And so I put the citations of where here's some really good examples of relatively non-technical explanations of how Roundup works, why it doesn't hurt humans or mammals in general, and why it does work on plants. So if you hear me mention Roundup, it is because I believe scientifically based that Roundup can be used in an environmentally responsible way. Now, does that mean I want everybody to use Roundup? No, I do not. If you don't want to use a chemical on your lawn, please don't use it. Pull up the weeds. It's not hard. Anybody can pull up a weed. They're not that, you know, hard to hard to control by pulling up. And a lot of us gardeners have done that for years and years and years. We decided we just too much trouble to get a sprayer out and spray it. So just reach down and pull the weed out. Not only that, there are organic weed killers that you can buy. Honestly, some of them are, are, are available online better than they are at the local garden center because they don't sell enough volume to stock them. But you can certainly find organic weed killers work great on killing weeds. If you want a list of the organic weed killers and how to find them online, hey, I got that too. Go to my website and type organic herbicides or organic weed killers. Either way, you'll get it. If you have a question about the chemistry of weed killers, insecticides, things like that, a friend of mine, a teenage friend of mine last night said, I can't believe you are a chemistry major. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> yes, I am. <laughs> that doesn't mean I know much still because I went to college many, many years ago. But theoretically, I know something about chemistry and maybe I'll be able to understand what I'm saying and explain it to you. I think it's easy this morning to talk to my friend Jean in Bremen, though. I'd rather talk to her anytime. Hey, Jean, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was going to tell you first, I enjoyed the article in the Georgia EM. Carolyn oh, thank you, Jean. I enjoyed that. That was sweet. But uh, my son-in-law is dying. He called me yesterday. Oh. You call your friend, Walt, to read and find out when you plant soybeans, how <laughs> And I don't know why he's wanting to plant them. I didn't have time to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, but he's to wanting to know when you plant soybeans and I'm how deep and all that. So I'm assuming, Gene, he wants to plant a field. He doesn't want to plant three in the backyard. Or what do you think he wants to do? It's field, I think. Okay. Uh, it's it's got to be like most things in the spring when the soil is warm. Not now, obviously. Um, the farmers down in South Georgia will start sometime in March, depending on the weather and how, how wet the soil is. So the way South Georgia folks start in March, the middle Georgia start, start in April, and the north Georgia folks start in uh, late April, usually, in planting soybeans in the fields. Well, he lives in Buck Cannon. 
uh, let's see, that would be over West Georgia, right? Yes. All right, so let's call him Middle Georgia. Uh, around the middle of April would be my guess, but the soil temperature plays a big role in this gene, so <clears throat> he needs to either get a thermometer out, just stick it in the dirt and see how warm the soil is. It needs to be at least 60 degrees for soybeans to germinate pretty well. 60 would be nice. 65 would be even better. Well, do you cut up the land good or something, or how do oh, yeah. you do Oh, you got to... Plow it up good. Now, I'm not going to go into a long detail of uh-huh. how to farm soybeans here, but basically, yeah, you get a tractor or somebody with a tractor. Yeah. And they go out and plow up the field and make sure it's nice and loamy, good soil, that they sort of level out the low spots so it doesn't hold water when it rains. They uh, plow it up nicely and then lay, yeah, lay the furrows out. Use particular kinds of plows behind the tractor to lay furrows, long rows, of course. And it's a pretty big field, almost any size of field at all, he's going to get a planter. That's another attachment that goes in the back of the tractor. The planter, you fill it full of 50 pounds of soybeans, depending on how big the field is, and go across the field, down the rows, and bip, 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 bip. Every, every, I think the space is around 10, 12 inches, something like that. The planter will have a calibration knob on it that tells you how far apart the seeds we put in. Whoever you buy the soybeans from will tell you that variety and what the spacing should be for that particular variety of soybean. And you plant the field, you pray for rain, you hope that it rain comes. Well, do you cover the seeds up after you? Yeah, the planter, planter machine does that. Oh, okay. They plant it about an inch, inch and a half probably deep is how deep it goes. But okay, Gene, you got to find out why he wants to plant soybeans. I don't. That I didn't. I thought, what are you crazy? He's got a lot of land, you know. <laughs> Maybe he wants to attract deer. Some people plant plant soybeans to attract well, deer. Now he's a or, big hunter, so yeah, that, that's that's what he is. Tell you what, if he wants the some real good advice rather than my advice, Gene, the good advice. There's some people down in Jackson, Georgia. There's a company called Adams Briscoe Seed. Their website is easy to remember for me. It's A-B-S-E-E-D, abc.com. And Adams Briscoe sells all sorts of seed mixes for soybeans, for farms, for deer, for turkey, for hunting, for just anything you can think of. They have the seeds. They'll sell it in bulk. They'll sell it in 20, 100 pounds, whatever you want. They'll sell it to you. A, B, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, again, I can't go over all that. It depends on the soil test and other stuff that you need to get him to do first. Before he plants, a soil test is really important. He can maybe plow in some lime if the soil needs that. But there's plenty of time to get the soil test done between now and planting time. But he needs to go ahead and do that if he wants to be successful. Again, call the people at abc.com and ask the folks at Adams Briscoe what they recommend, what variety they recommend for whatever he wants to do. Gene, it's great talking to you once again. We'll see you soon. Next half hour, Greg in Newburn has a question about bulbs. Becky in Dunwoody wants to know how to treat her soil now for fewer bugs next year. Stephen wants to know about mushrooms growing in a tree. And Jill has mulch and the mushrooms growing all over it. What should you do about that? Y'all stick around. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
Islanders this morning. Saturday, mostly sunny. I have 57, low of 40. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security today. And sunny, Sunday is going to be sunny. I have 66, low of 42. What a great day sunny is going to, Sunday is going to be. Sunny and warm. 404-872-0750 is my number. Greg's out in Newburn, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Greg. Yes, good morning, yeah, Walt. Yeah, Happy you, New Year. What's up, man? Yes, this man allowed us, uh, we rented a house temporarily. He allowed us to dig up some bulbs. They're not daffodils, but ones that yeah. came up around September. And yeah. uh, now we built a house on five acres. And I really don't know where to plant them. And they're out and open. they still got the green foliage. I just wonder how I can take care of them before we decide mm. where we want to plant them in the landscape. Heal them in. The healing in is just a garden word that says dig a trench about as deep as you'll plant them permanently sometime soon and uh, make the trench, you know, three inches deep is probably what I would do. And take those clumps of bulbs, stick them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right down the middle of the trench, cover them with dirt, a little bit of foliage sticking up above the dirt. Wait till you want to plant them. It could be any time you care to do it. Okay, what dirt? We got, I know what you're <laughs> What dirt? Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, frankly, if you don't have good sort of nice gardeny dirt in the new place, you can buy a bag of um, what do they call planting soil? Pike has stuff they call planting soil, just a big bag of it, mm-hmm. forty pounds bag, and put it over the top of the bulbs in that trench. That works. Okay, sounds great. Can I ask you another quick? If you're pretty quick, yeah. Okay, yeah, but permanent. I'd like to buy that. Which I think you just faded away and went away before that second question got out. Thanks, Greg. Call again when you got a better connection. We got Stephen in Marietta, Mushroom Man. What's going on, Walter? I've been gardening for Stephen, 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 Stephen. Put him on hold and go to Mushroom Woman, Jill in Lake Arrowhead. Hey, Jill. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we got two callers right there that didn't come on. Jason, something's wrong. We're not getting our callers in here. Neither Jill nor Steven have come up. What is going on? I wonder. Nope, Jill. I put her on hold. Let's see what about uh, Betsy. Betsy instead of Becky. Betsy joined us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Betsy. Good morning, Walter. Uh, I'm calling about. Very silent. Tell you what, Betsy, let's go put everybody back on hold here. Let me talk for just a minute. We've got a few minutes to talk about it. Because one of the things that I think the question, if we don't get to Stephen in a minute, about the mushrooms growing in a tree, <sighs> what is a mushroom? A mushroom is just sort of the flower, if you will, of a fungus growing under the ground. If you've got mushrooms in your, in your mulch or in the tree, not a good thing. If you have mushrooms coming out of the trunk of a tree. So if Stephen's case, if he's got a big oak, pecan, pine, whatever he has, if he sees a mushroom coming out of the trunk down at the bottom or somewhere along the trunk, anywhere he sees that mushroom, underneath that, underneath the bark, underneath everything, inside the tree, there's a fungus that's growing and quite happy, happily growing too. That fungus is saying, man, I need to reproduce. What are we going to do? Let's, let's flower in a sense. They send that mushroom thing with a conch round thing on the bark or so the, the uh, ones with stems that you come out of the mulch on the ground. And so the, the fungus tries to reproduce by sending up something, the fruiting body, which we call a mushroom, that will have spores that will spread other places in the environment, hopefully find some wet place that they can grow. So if you have a mushroom growing out of a tree, for instance, that is a case where you really, really need to have somebody on the ground trained to look at the tree and diagnose whether or not that 
that mushroom or the decay in the trunk is serious because you can imagine you do not want a rotten tree. You don't want a tree that falls over and breaks over where the rot is. And so generally speaking, an arborist is the kind of person you find, a certified arborist. They're certified by an international organization called the International Society of Arboriculture. And the ISA has a number they give to people who take a long, extensive class on how to be a tree expert. And so if you go to the georgiaarborist.org, that's their website, georgiaarborist.org, and find one of the certified arborists there and say, hey, come out to my house, look at this tree, tell me what you think. And an arborist, man or woman, well-trained, tree hugger, tree lover, doesn't want to cut it down, but will tell you what's going on. And they take into account a lot of things that only a trained eyeball can see. They look at the, the species of the tree. They look at how the limbs are arranged. They look at how the tree leans to one side or another. They look and see if the tree is near a structure, near a place where you park the car all the time, because that's part of the whole risk assessment is whether or not you— are going to cause damage and, you know, have something that the tree harm the tree could do to your landscape. So an arborist, they cost a little bit of money, not a lot, maybe a hundred bucks, but they give you a lot of information. And not just on that tree, either. most of the time you say, well, thanks for your information about my pecan tree. What do you think about this pine over here? Well, they'll tell you about that one too. So they just pay it by the hour and the arborist comes out and tells you what will you know, happen most likely to that tree, what the but the prognosis is the diagnosis and the prognosis of that tree. And then you can decide whether to hire a company. Many of the ISA arborists do work as consultants for tree companies. So they may say, well, you can go to my company, choose somebody else, doesn't matter either way. Um, and so you get an, an opinion about what to do about your tree. So that's when you have mushrooms or conks, they call them sometimes, or just things growing out of the trunk of a tree. And Stephen and Marietta, I hope you heard this because, yeah, it can be sort of a Big deal when your tree has something growing out of it. Now, Jill in Lake Arrowhead says she's got mushrooms growing out of her mulch. Sort of the same situation. The fungus is underneath the mulch, growing. It's happy, happy, happy. It's been wet, it's been raining, some warmth in the soil still. And the mushrooms that come out of the mulch are saying, let's spread our spores around. Let's find another place to hatch out here. And so in the mulch, because there's nothing going to fall particularly, not your trees and anything like that, because what the mushroom is decomposing is already dead. It's the mulch or maybe a tree root that died or something like that. Mushrooms that are in the soil, generally speaking, are no big deal. They may be ugly. You can pick them up, put a glove on if you want to, pick up the mushrooms, put them in a plastic bag, put them in the trash. End of story. I've heard a lot of people that, you know, use their golf clubs and go out there just splack that thing and see how far, they can, how far they can send that mushroom out. So depending on what you want to do with it, you can harvest the mushrooms and dispose of them. Don't eat them. I do not think anyone should ever eat a mushroom. You do not know exactly what it is, and I'm not the guy to tell you that. But nonetheless, if you have mushrooms, they're generally not a big worry if you come out of the, out of the mulch. Just dispose of them as you care to and deal with it after that, okay? Well, a number. We'll get back online in just a minute. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 635 at News Talk WSB. 
And we're back on the air. My friend Bob Muller. Bob Muller, bless his soul, is my TV producer. And sometimes, just to be mean, when I would be on, on camera about to start a segment, and uh, <laughs> my, my machine, my tiller, I had a plug-in tiller back then, an electric tiller, and it wouldn't work. I'd start the segment and say, now we're going to till up the garden, and I would turn the switch on, and nothing would happen. And I would say, oh, man, something broke. My tiller's broken, so the switch is gone. And Bob would just look up in the air today. He would say, spark gap. Spark gap? What the heck does that mean, spark gap? Spark gap means when you've unplugged yourself and you don't realize it, which is what happened just a minute ago. I went back here to check again to make sure I was plugged in now. So that's why I couldn't hear anybody. I had simply unplugged my headphones. I am plugged in now, I think. Betsy in Marietta, join us. Good, hey, Good morning. Betsy, I hear you. This is great. Jason, yes. this is our triumph. How can I, how can I help, Betsy? Okay, I've discovered that I have some daffodils coming up way too close to the base of shrubs. Yeah. And I'd like to dig them up and transplant them. They're also a little crowded. They've been planted several years. Yeah. Can I do that now? You know, I'm sort of a gambler, Betsy. I think you could and not really affect the blooming on them. The, and go ahead the, the, the bottom. Yeah, the, the bloom that's inside that bulb has already formed. Right. All it all it requires is the warmth of a little bit more, you know, winter and early spring, and the bloom will sort of push up through the through the top of the bulb. You have the stem, you have the bloom on top of that, and so those bulbs have already made the bloom you're going to have this coming spring. Now you don't want to go in there and just rip it apart. You might want to carefully wash most of the yeah. dirt off of a clump, you know, and if some of them stick too, too close together, you can't get them across, apart from each other anyway, then put three or four together. It's all right. It doesn't hurt anything. But you can okay. still do it now. No problem. All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Wash it away, and if you get if you're able to divide, you'll feel, you'll feel so rich, Betsy, because you planted just two or three several years ago. Now you've got 20, 30, 40 bulbs. It's wonderful. Oh. You've got it, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrific. Enjoy, Betsy. Right. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Betsy's place. Again, 404-872-0750. Becky is in Dunwoody and joins us. Hi, Becky. Thanks for being so patient. Hey. hey. Good morning. Good morning. So I have this 20-by-20-foot 20 20 garden. We love it, but we've had terrible problem with weeds and bugs. Is there anything I can do now to help control that in the future? My thinking was to get some seven dust and some grub killer and kill it in. No, 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 no. We're no? not going to go with chemicals. If you heard my little diatribe at the first of the hour, I mentioned chemicals. You don't have to use chemicals. And, Becky, in your case— I don't think they'd be affected because, frankly, there are not any bugs that are very susceptible to chemicals in your garden right now in January. They're just not there. The Japanese beetles and things and grubs are all in little tiny pupae that are down five or six inches in the soil. Insecticides won't go that deep and kill them. The other bugs are very likely in, in egg cases or places where it would be hard for the insecticide to penetrate in to kill them, too, even if they're above ground. So no chemical is going to help, but I know something you can do, and you're not going to like it either. <laughs> <laughs> Dig the sorry place up, Becky. Somebody goes out there with a shovel or a tiller or a hoe or 
I don't care what you use, but somebody's got to dig it up because digging it up exposes the grubs that are in the ground where they're trying to keep warm, you know, during the wintertime. Hey, too bad. You're up on the surface. Now you freeze. And so well, that we can do. That, yeah. that's, that is something we can do. And we'll do that um, when it just dries out just a little bit more. And hopefully we'll have a more successful season next year. Yeah, Kirk didn't realize it, but he is actually predicting the the weed and bug killing ability of the weather when he says, oh, it's going to go down to hard freeze tonight. We're going to have you know temperatures in the 30s and 20s for the next week or so. And that should be the signal for gardeners who are thinking about how can I organically control bugs and weeds too, Becky, uh, by just exposing them to drying and exposing them to cold during the wintertime. Sure, no problem. Dig it up, put the cold and the wind to work and let them do it. Chemicals we don't worry about until later on in the year. Wonderful. We'll plan that for just a slightly drier weekend. Yeah, Thank a little bit so drier. Got to be a little bit drier than this, back, but you know that. So do that when it's cold. Well, thank you so much. Hey, it's great talking to you, Becky. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Becky's place. Faith is way up in Dahlonega, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Faith, good morning. Good morning. Hey, what can I do for you? Well, I had a quick question about, I ordered some uh, of the shrubbery called, I think they're called Giant Fuga Arborvitae. Yeah, Arborvitae. I call it Arborvitae. You call it whatever you like. Go ahead. Yeah, I bought, they're about six foot tall, and I had them planted in my yard. And they've done good for about a month, and Mm. now they're all four starting to turn brown. Ah. I know it's not for lack of water because it's been raining so much. Mm. Is there any reason, something that's going on? I hate to <clears throat> burst your bubble, Faith, but it could be lack of water. I know it's rain. I know it's been like a deluge for the last couple, three weeks, it seems like. But okay. how did the trees come to you? Were they bare root? Were they in a container? Or how were the trees when you bought them? They were in a container, and they were wrapped up in burlap. Actually, okay. they weren't in a container. They were just wrapped up in burlap and then in plastic. So there was any soil around the roots at all? Yes, there was. Okay. Um even so, browning on arborvitae is a pretty good sign of they got dry. The root system or the roots got dry. Most often okay. here, what happens is folks buy the arborvitae from a nursery and they come in containers in plastic pots and sometimes even ball and burlap, but usually in a plastic pot. And the size of the plastic pot is not quite big enough to support the growth of the tree above it without some very, very careful watering, which in the nursery is fine. they got people they hire to do that. Come out every day, water all the arborvitaes, get sure they have enough water in them. In Faith's yard, though, Faith says, man, it rained last night. I'm not going to water them. don't need to be watered. The ground is soggy. But frankly, the water never soaks in very well into the root ball because okay. many, many times the root, roots have not spread out very much after you've planted. In fact, they haven't spread out much at all since you've planted them. And so they don't have a good way to absorb the water that may be a lot of water around but never got into the root ball. So your okay. job, Faith, if you want to do it, dig one at least up, maybe a couple of them up, and see what the roots look like if they're not spread out, if they're not going in all different directions underneath the tree. That's your job. you got to wash the dirt off if you think it's worth trying to save the variety. Wash the dirt off, untangle the roots, spread them out, pack the dirt back on top as you replant and the water that's around will then be able to water the arborvitae just fine. They seem, they're sometimes, Faith, a little touchy about watering in the first year. I, I admit that. They sure are. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. You bet, Faith. Thanks for calling. Thanks. 404. You know, how do I know this? I've killed 
one, two, three, four arborvitaes <clears throat> in my life because I didn't water them all that well. I just thought, you know, it's been raining, or in my case, I thought that I had watered enough at the base of the tree, and sometimes I would just forget. And again, the size of the pot many times is not quite big enough to support the amount of foliage of the tree above the pot because at a nursery you got somebody who does it every day. In your garden, eh, probably not. you got you, your husband, your wife do it, and they may or may not get into watering and watering it properly underneath the plant, at least for the first six months, right underneath the plant. That's where all the roots are. They're not going to go very far. you got to put the water right underneath. Kevin is up in Milton and joins us. Hey, Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a, a question for you. Yeah, man. I've got a, yeah, I've got a weed that's come up in my yard. It's been there for the last couple of years. I haven't done a very good job of getting rid of it. I'm not doing something right. It, uh, I think the name of it is a hen something or another. Uh, it's mm. a kind of grows up in clumps. Maybe uh, chick- I want to say henwood, but that's not right. It's, what about chickweed, Kevin? It's not chickweed. Oh. Uh, it's more of a broadleaf, kind of like a, a dandelion. Hmm, I got not a dandelion, but a um, uh, clover. Yeah. But it has more florets around it. Henbit is another chicken poultry, poultry-related yeah. weed, I guess. So you got chickweed and henbit. Both of them are common weeds in, uh, in the environment. So what do you got? So you got a bunch of them, right? I got a bunch of it. It seems like I haven't been able to get rid of it. I'm either not putting it the right uh, chemicals on the lawn or mm-hmm. doing it at the right time. What, what do you recommend for that? A guy the other day asked me, my neighbor actually asked me, what did I think about the automatic robotic mower that a company gave me to demonstrate in my lawn four years ago? And I said, you know, it was great having it. It cost a little bit more than I could afford, so I didn't want to buy one. But while I had it, I had a remarkable diminishment of weeds in my lawn because the mower was always out there knocking the flower and locking the seed head off the weeds. They never got a chance to mature and spread and go all over the yard. And if you somehow, Kevin, can just knock off the tops of the hen bit, you don't necessarily have to use chemicals. You can. I'm going to recommend that in just a minute. But one of the ways to control it during the growing and flowering time, which would be from now until 1st of May almost, if you can regularly go out there and just whack at them with a mower, whack at them with a weed whacker, do something to knock the tops and the flowering off of the weeds, then you're, you're ahead of the game. You're, you're making the weed not have seeds that mature or able to reproduce. But also, I think a good chemical uh, spray wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. It will hurt, will hurt the hen bit. So any of the what we call three- and four-way weed killers, that means the, the uh, let's see, there's ortho weed begone, the pike. you got that nice pike up there in Milton. Hey, Kevin, go to get the um, Bonide Weed Beater Plus. Bonad Weed Beater Plus at Pike does a terrific job on winter weeds like henbit, chickweed, clover, things like that. So one of those two, either the Ortho Weed Be Gone Max or the Bonad Weed Beater Plus, spray it on, do it like the label says, and things will start turning yellow. The broadleaf anyway will turn yellow within a couple of weeks. Okay, well, very good. Well, I appreciate the uh, the advice. Tell them we said, hey, at that pretty store at Milton. It's a really nice Okay, story. we'll do it. All right. We'll Thank see you, you soon. Thank you so much. You bet, Kevin. Drive safely. That store is a really, really pretty pike. The newest pike up in Milton, Georgia. If you don't know where it is, go to pikenursery.com. But I went up there twice this year, once for a remote broadcast, once for an afternoon um, lecture. It's big. It's got lots of space that you can see all the plants really easy. It doesn't have to be crowded up really tightly. 
a uh, nice big birding section in there, a lot of landscape decor, I guess you call it, the sofas and the chairs that you can use outdoors and things like that. It's really, really pretty. You should uh, check it out, the Milton Pike Nursery Store. Coming up in the next half hour, Ted and Marietta has a really, really thin fescue lawn. He wants to know a little bit more about what to do about it. And this time of year, there are things you can do on your lawn. Again, you don't necessarily have to use chemicals. I did mention that to a caller previously, but I will try my best this morning to tell you how to do gardening without using chemicals. And if you want to ask questions specifically about organic gardening, that'd be great too. And by the way, you do not have to be a knowledgeable gardener to call this show. We don't try to do anything that you can't understand. If you don't know what your plant is, fine. Just like we just figured out. We'll figure out what the weed is between the two of us. If you don't know what the flower is, just tell me what it looks like, and I'll try to figure out what it is and give you advice based on what you need with that particular plant. Again, our phone number, 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Oh, that's a great song, Jason. I like this song. Can we be there? Yeah. Oh, just think of the time. All right, I got to get in here and do the weather. Doggone it. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Saturday, mostly sunny, high of 57, low of 40 overnight. Sunday is going to be sunny, high of 66, low of 42 Sunday night. A very nice day tomorrow. Pretty nice today as well. This is Lawn and Garden, my number 404-872-0750. In comes uh, Ted and Marietta with a question about his lawn. Hey, Ted, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Got a question about my fescue lawn. Um, been in the house 30 years. It's a well-established lawn. Been pretty thick up until this fall. I have it aerated and overseeded uh, as usual. And the, the backyard, which does get a fair amount of shade, but of course it's all deciduous. So right now, you know, no, no leaves to block the sun. Mm, yeah. And it's just, it's just kind of thin, thin, thin. It seemed to germinate pretty well. And I, I don't think I've got much washing going on. You know, like the seed washing away. It, is it just the, the plain lack of sun, sunlight possibly with all these great days in, in the fall? Yeah, you're, you're, you're headed, yeah, you're headed, I think, in the right direction, Ted. You obviously already know the influence that sunshine has <clears throat> on lawns because you mentioned you got shade back there. But it's deciduous shade, trees that lost their leaves, so in the wintertime, it's usually pretty bright, so the fescue typically looks pretty good in the winter underneath oaks and hickories and things like that because they don't have any leaves to shade it out. On the other hand, it's been pretty overcast. Not a lot of sunshine in there to push the fescue along and help it stay green and thick. How, when did you fertilize last time, Ted? Uh, fertilized uh, when, when we overseeded. Uh, okay. N- not with any pre-emergent, you know, okay. to keep the seed from germinating. But and that was when did you do the overseeding? That was that was uh, late September, I believe. Okay. A um, couple of things. You could have fertilized at least once since then. Around, around uh, November would have been a great time to fertilize again. Mm-hmm. And the next time on a typical schedule would be September, November, 
February and early April. Okay. okay. So you've got now we're in January and you missed November, but we're going to do fertilize now as soon as you can. As soon as, frankly, as soon as it rains again, Ted. <laughs> two weeks <laughs> well, ago, no. you'd have been great. <laughs> that fertilizer down, we would wash right into the soil. So, you know, wait a couple of days until it looks like it's going to rain. Go get some yard lawn fertilizer, I mean, some turf fertilizer. Pike sells a nice brand. You got the, you know, the Miracle Grow Scott's and all the other brands too. But, um, Fertilize, because that's one thing I think is affecting the fescue growing and being thickened and nice and deep green. And don't leave out another fertilization since you're doing it early in January. I'll do the next one in early March. Okay. So, so two fertilizations per season, fall and spring then. Huh? Say that sentence one more time, Ted. I didn't hear you. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, two fertiliz- fertilizings. Two in the fall, two in the spring. Yeah, your recommendation. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and keep in okay. mind, and you, obviously you already know this that the fescue over the years is going to always be a problem because of the shade from the deciduous trees above it, and so it's going to be times when it just won't grow any closer to the trunk than it is now. You're going to have to put mulch or ferns or hostas or something in there instead of the grass. It's just not going to grow where there's not much sunshine to push it along. Not how many hours a day of sunshine would it need? Typically four. For fescue, you need at least four. If you don't have four, at least four, you get lots and lots of weeds and bare spots. It's just not worth trying. Five is better. Six and seven would be even better. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. All right, man. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ted. We'll see you soon. 404, oh, you know the number. I'm not going to give it again. I'm tired of saying the number. It is Judd's turn. Judd's out in Dawsonville. He joins us. Hey, Judd, morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up, Doug? Uh, Walter, last, yeah, last June, I planted a Heigen cherry tree. Yeah. And so all the blooms had gone off after the fall bloom, I guess. And so just yesterday, I noticed that it has some new blooms on it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to get down to like 20 degrees next week. What's going to happen with that tree? Nothing. <laughs> the flowers will freeze and then it'll bloom again just like normal. Mine's blooming too, Judd. I got over to the backyard. It looks so pretty. I looked out the other day and I thought, man, look at the flowers on my cherry tree. It's pretty. And so I'm enjoying those flowers now. I know that winter cold is going to freeze them off. Yeah, that's a natural cycle. And the cherry tree itself is not going to be harmed at all by the cold weather. The flowers just, you know, they appear as the warm weather comes. They disappear as the cold weather comes. That's the way the Hagen cherry and the Autumnalis cherry, and there's another one in there somewhere that all blooms so sporadically fall through winter. It's the way they do. Thank you so much, Walter. Hey, nothing to it, Judd. No worries, man. Don't worry about it. You're all right. Okay. All Thank right, you. Man. We'll see you. 404 is my number. Steve Stockbridge, he wants to get rid of something. He's tired of that stupid crepe myrtle in the backyard. What you got, Steve? Yeah, hey, Walter. Hey, we Steve. um had to take a uh, crepe myrtle up a couple of years ago, and yeah. now we're still getting the roots that are running up under the ground and popping up in yeah. the rest of the flower beds. What's the best way to get rid of those? Mm. I was pinning an email answer yesterday. I was in, in my sunroom laying on my, on my little sunroom bed, having a great time having a laptop there, or my tablet actually, and she has a Bradford pear. And she said, man, we took this tree down three years ago. I still got these stupid sprouts coming up all over the yard in the back, back of the house. What's going on? And you're the same way. You've got a very persistent plant. Crepe myrtle is a very persistent plant. It was pretty big when you took it down. 
And all those roots that are spread out are just desperate to find some way of surviving. Steve cut down mama, and now the babies are trying to survive. <laughs> and, and Steve, frankly, I'll tell you what I told her. You can't do anything other than clip off of the leaves or spray them if you want to and starve the roots to death. That's the only thing you can do. There's no magic, miracle, something or other you can do to, uh, to get the roots to die quickly. If you spray with Roundup, it is translocated just a little bit. It's down the roots a couple of feet, so it does move some. It's maybe a little bit more effective than clipping the, the limbs. But simply, you got to be persistent. You keep going in there, seeing where the sprouts are coming up. You know what they look like. Clip them, pull them, spray them with weed killer, whatever you choose. But that's what you got to do. That's it. No miracles. All right. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. And, hey, uh, the old school Clayton County 4 Hers on the radio. Hey, man, it's great hearing from you, Steve. Thanks for calling. See you, buddy. Clayton County 4-H. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I worked in Clayton County for one, two, three, four years. Just about every elementary school in Clayton County had a 4-H club. And who was our 4-H man? Mr. Reeves. Exactly who it was. If you want to call and salute about 4-H this morning, that's fine, too. 404 872 We'll be back after news.